Ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chicky Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, this is Chicky Fitzgerald, and I am coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, it is starting to get cold, quite a bit different for me from my normal Tampa uh, viewpoint, and, uh, but I am really excited about our topic today. Uh, this is... This is a topic um, of really how to future-proof yourself for tomorrow's workplace. And, and I know that a lot of people are, are kind of taking stock of where they are at this time of year. You know, you look back at what has happened uh, either for yourself personally or for your company uh, over the course of the year. So we are going to be talking about stretching yourself and our guest today is the author of a book called Stretch, How to Future-Proof Yourself for Tomorrow's Workplace. And I welcome today Barbara Mystic. Barbara, welcome. Thank you, Chickie. It's great to be with you. And I just want to let you know I'm also in Pennsylvania. And for us, it's a really warm day today. <laughs> Unusual <laughs> well, in December to be in the 40s. So we're very excited. <laughs> well, I am back here next week, and I'm watching the weather report and the Arctic front that is coming through. And if you will pay attention to the the uh, the way it is going to lay, it comes down like to the border of Florida. You know, and, and so it dips pretty far down in the U.S., but I am going to be back here in Pennsylvania next week. So I'm trying to figure out what clothes I own that can uh, can help me future-proof myself from next week in Pennsylvania. Long underwear. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, Barbara, before we dive in and actually talk about the book itself, I would really love to hear a little bit about you. Our, our listeners love to hear a bit about your background and, um, you know, how you got to this place, you know, not only of, of being an author, or, you know, clearly because you, you have transitioned into that, but where did you come from? Was this what you always wanted to do? Is this just, uh, you know, kind of the, the side business or, or is, is this what you're doing for a living? How, how can our listeners, uh, you know, get their arms around who you are? Well, that's a, those are a lot of questions to answer at one time, and I, I think the big answer is that I never anticipated being in the seat that I'm in today. So um, at this moment, I'm, I'm at Wilson College in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I'm the president of the college. I did not start out in academia or in um, education. I, my entire uh, professional uh, training and both my degrees and um, uh, most of my work was in the business area, and I came into um, academia really uh, uh, through entrepreneurship. I, uh, my first venture into the sort of the world of colleges and universities was in an entrepreneurship center, and um, mm. it was a good number of years ago. I did one of the very first uh, studies. I was able to spearhead one of the very first studies of the impact of women entrepreneurs, and uh, particularly in Pennsylvania, and really tracking the really? great success 
of women in the workplace, particularly uh, in, uh, from the entrepreneurial side and looking at how women could really scale businesses and become larger. And um, I did just hear yesterday, <laughs> and our the president-elect in Indiana said right, that right, women entrepreneurs that. were outpacing men. And yes. um, I think that uh, that's a very good sign that says something terrific about what's happening. Well, it absolutely is. And I heard that same that same uh, news clip of I didn't hear the whole speech, but I I did hear that. And he I saw actually, I think he was in Cincinnati at the time, you know, and asked women entrepreneurs to put their hands up in in the audience. And and it was pretty amazing the number of hands that went up. And I don't know if if my producer had told you, but, um, you know, radio show host is is kind of what I do, but it's not who I am. I am an entrepreneur. Uh, in fact, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm on my second uh, startup that that I am involved in funding, and I have done really 10 startups back from when I was an entrepreneur uh, working for AMR Corporation, American Airlines, and you know, doing a startup within the confines of actually having a salary, right? And and then, you know, I've been out on my own for 20 years, but I, I didn't really consider myself an entrepreneur when I was just, you know, had a consulting firm because I think a services business where, you know, if, if you if things don't go well, you know, you can just go get a job. But that's not the case if you're an entrepreneur and you've, you know, built technology or a, a manufacturing environment or, you know, even a retail uh, uh, organization. So, well, it's very, very interesting that you come to us from academia because I, I just got back from Los Angeles. Uh, I went to an industry conference, but I uh, kind of tagged on to the end of my trip staying with my sister, and my sister has spent her whole uh, career in academia, and, and I always thought it was funny because she has always been the assistant to the president of colleges, but in academia, that doesn't mean you're a secretary. She actually has two legal degrees, and she's more of a chief of staff kind of person. Um, I can so, tell you, you know, without I, a good assistant, you're totally lost. I have the most right. wonderful assistant, and she's <laughs> it. It takes more than one person to manage, uh, you know, the president's office, and you need a great assistant. So the work oh, that your sister is doing is critical. Yes, yes, absolutely, and she's with. Uh, the uh, the colleges in Claremont, uh, you know, at, at Claremont universities, uh, right? And right. you know, it's just fascinating to hear the stories because she happens to be in a very entrepreneurial college, which is the Keck Graduate Institute, and they just launched a new um, pharmacy school that she helped to create, and and they actually have venture capital invested in the program. Oh, absolutely! Which I had never heard of that. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. Before uh, coming here, I was at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh for a number uh-huh. of years and uh, it was both in the Heinz School of Public Management and in our design school there, too. And we did a lot of uh, business plans with students, a lot of innovation funds. Mm-hmm. And you might know today that, you know, Carnegie Mellon is really working with Uber on uh, the autonomous vehicle, driverless cars, which talk about changes in the workplace. That's going to be a huge change. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Well, since we only have uh, a, a short time this morning, and we may have to have you back since we got uh, started a little bit late this morning, 
Um, I want to get to the book, and you know, I'd like for you to give us the kind of the background of of how you came to write this book. And I know you 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 have a, a co-author who was involved in the project. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because you know, obviously, you've got a full-time job running running a university. So, how did you have time for this? Well, I think one of the best ways to have time for these kinds of projects is to have a partner. And my uh, research partner, Carrie Williard, and I went to we went to graduate school together. That's our backstory. We did our doctorate mm. at Case Western University. So we've been writing and collaborating together for 15 years. And one of the things I've really learned uh, in doing this book project is how valuable having a partner can be because she kept me on track with deadlines and I kept her on track with deadlines. And I think that's uh, the only way <laughs> all of this oh, got done. Great. But, um, you know, our interest here was really about how to help people learn and how to help people stay engaged in the workplace and to really look at uh, where, the wor- where the workplace of the future was going. And uh, we come at it from two different areas. She's in industry. I'm in uh, the academy. And so it, right. it was great to have those two different perspectives. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, well, let's just dive right in. Um, You begin the book by really talking about stretching, uh, you know, stretching our thinking, stretching our doing as being imperative moving forward. Uh, Can you give us a little background on why that is true? Absolutely. You know, what we really discovered, I mean, the basis for our book, we did a nice big research study. Uh, we worked with Oxford Economics. And, you know, we were when we started this, as happens with many entrepreneurial ventures or with other projects you're on, we had an idea that we were really going to write about differences in the workplace from millennials and baby boomers and Gen Xers. And then when we did this whole big survey, Chicky, the really interesting thing was the number one uh, item that came back, the top ranked item on the survey is that people were worried about the where the workplace was going and would their skills be keeping pace with changes in the right. workplace. Right. So we entirely changed the direction that we were headed and really focused on the fact that you know, we all have dreams for where we want to go in our career. And what we really see, uh, you know, in the research that we did, we did, you know, 150 different interviews and lots of webinars. So we got thousands of people's uh, uh, different perspectives is that you really have to own your own development. You have to uh, be proactive for your own career. And if you are concerned about the skills you're going to need, you have to take the steps necessary. And we advocate that experiences, getting different experiences is probably one of the best ways to help future-proof yourself. Right, and, you know, it's funny because I I saw in the beginning of your book um, that one of the the quotes from people, you know, talking about your book is is Whitney Johnson, who I've I've actually interviewed her several times, and I included uh, one of the interviews with her as a a, uh, part of a story that I tell in a new allegorical business novel that I'm coming out with this spring. And, uh, you know, she she pulled out of out of your book and out of your message that, you know, it's really obsolescence. Right. And and becoming obsolete, either in skills or in contribution or vision or, you know, whatever it is that is is really the biggest concern moving forward. And, you know, I think you're so spot on uh, in, in beginning with that observation. Yeah, Whitney is terrific, and uh, we we had an opportunity to spend some time with her. Carrie and I, we were 
out in California for the New York Times uh, Future Work Conference. And, uh, you know, I, I think what, what people tell us is that the pace of change is just so fast today that it's hard to keep track right now, yes. let alone think about the future. And, you know, so I, I think that's the key is to sort of recognize that, yeah, the pace is crazy, but what can I do that will make sure that I don't bump up against a sell-by date? And, and and I think that's what Whitney was saying about obsolescence. Right, right. So you you mentioned in this introduction, um, you know, to the book that there are really five practices, um, you know, that that you know can can guide you in this stretch imperative. Can can you review with us what those are? Yes. And, you know, I think, Chucky, the other takeaway is that you don't have to do these all at one time. Uh, I I did do (laughs) an interview with this wonderful millennial, and she said to me afterwards, she said, I'm just overwhelmed at having the thought of having to do all of these things at one time. (laughs) So I just want to say to your listeners. That's a really good point. (laughs) Don't don't try to do them all. Uh, You know, I've I've learned this from talking about the book for, you know, a couple of months now. It, It just Take away one of them. If you just, you know, listen to right. the couple that we're going to talk about today, but just take away one and try and act on one at a time. That's probably the the best bottom line advice I can give. Right, right. So, um, you know, I think what we recognized is that it really is on you to take uh, take control of your of your own career. What we see today is, you know, so much regulation. So a lot of the professional development that organizations do is around compliance. So you really have to be the one to own your development. And there are just some simple practices. Uh, The two that we suggest are uh, like learning on the fly, you know, taking a look at what happens every day and can I learn something else from this experience? So we're often good at adapting in the moment, but you know, if we step back, you know, the end of the year you mentioned, good time to reflect. If you think about what excellence looks like, you could think about, you know, what what are the things that I have to do each day, and how can I learn more that would give me some excellence in in mm-hmm. what I'm doing and a skill that perhaps I can take forward in the in the future. So, um, you know, and a lot of folks told us that there were, you know, just uh, it was a young man that we interviewed for the book who who uh, went into teaching. And he said at the beginning when he was in teaching, he, he thought, oh, my goodness, I'm just this is not going to be the career for me after graduating from college and doing all his student teaching and everything else gets into the classroom. And he said, he just talked too much, and students got tired of listening to him, and he got really discouraged. But um, after he stepped back and said, it's really not about being discouraged. This is Jonah, a story we tell in the book. And he says it, what he really figured out is that he could learn from other teachers, other people in the school system, how to be a better teacher in the classroom. And once he shifted his thinking to not to just how much he was had the information he had to impart to students, but how he could deliver that in a better way. He became a much better teacher, and then he became a mentor for others. So, you know, what he did was really to take a situation that he was dealing with every single day at work, and took made it better by right. taking that kind of perspective that he could learn in the moment. Right. Right. Well, and and you talk about learning on the fly as as a part of of the second part of the book, and and how 
you know, quite frequently we, and particularly I noticed this, and I have been a consultant for 20 years and had been in, in corporate life, you know, a good 15 years prior to that. And now I don't consult so much anymore, but I happen to be on a consulting engagement this week. And I notice this culture of uh, the fact that everybody has been doing things the same way for a long time. And, you know, it's kind of that status quo culture. But you, you talk about how good enough, right, which is what status quo is, isn't good enough for very long. Right. Because things are changing so quickly. So just yesterday I had a conversation with a woman who told me she had worked she was 35 years in a law firm and they put in a new computer system that automated the functions that she was doing. And, uh, you know, they gave her an opportunity for a, an early severance package and, uh, you know, she and she took the package and she said that, you know, I realized that it was really an opportunity for me. It was an opportunity for me to step away from the status quo and, and to do something different. But I think that's the piece that we heard from people, sort of this underlying concern that the workplace isn't changing because jobs are moving away. It's really changing because technology is changing what right. we're doing. So, you know, the current data is that, you know, eight out of ten jobs that go away go away because of technology. Um, and, you know, what we, we saw that from the World Economic Forum, from other right. economic right. experts. So I, I think that's – you have to sort of have a perspective that – I've got to stay up on things. I often, you know, we'll see people who say, I'm close to retirement and um, I'm just going to get there. I'm not going to worry about <laughs> right, right. learning something new. And and I think those are the, you know, those are the folks that really have a hard time making the adjustment. They don't have the perspective of the woman I spoke to yesterday. Right. And, and again, you talk about the importance of being open. And, you know, I've certainly lived through that technology uh, revolution in my own industry. I started in the travel industry back in 1978 as a bookkeeper, right, where we were actually using, you know, what was called at then, you know, then it was really advanced. It was single entry bookkeeping where you had a, a strip of carbon that wrote onto the ledger card, right? And, right. and every week I would do the, you know, the, the, report on all the airline tickets that we had issued, you know, and they, they had red carbon on the back of the coupons. If you remember traveling in those days, you know, you sometimes got that carbon, you know, on your fingers when, when you t tore off a coupon of an airline ticket. And so, you know, I would come home on Tuesdays with my hands, you know, completely red, and I did, you know, an adding machine tape. Right, right. Uh, of those, and I wrapped the adding machine tape around it, and I got to where I could do the adding machine without looking at at the keypad, which it's exactly the opposite of the keypad on our current telephones, right? Which you know it kind of makes your brain hurt when you think about that. But then you know, watching what has happened with technology, but even even this week, I noticed, and you know, I'm in a travel company, and right now I'm working uh, on a consulting basis, helping the group that is responsible for uh, electro electronic commerce, which, you know, again, is still new to many companies. Um, and, you know, I have seen that the importance of being open to understanding that, yes, things are now done by technology, but technology isn't flawless, and it 
you know, there's a new set of skills that are needed to be able to spot problems with the output of those new systems, right? So, um, you know, I, I know you talk about being open, and that, then you talk about how you really need options and, and why building a diverse network. Because, you know, we're it used to be that we would go to work for a company and we would stay there for a very long time, right? And I have been interviewing uh, for salespeople this week and, and, you know, getting in resumes, and, and I'm appalled at how short – the tenure is of people with companies these days, right? And and wow. so if you aren't going to stay where you are, and you know you really have to be focused on networking so that when you don't want to stay where you are, you know you can land well. So right. What what is well, your perspective on on building this diverse network and and you know to what end? Yeah, and and I I think this really does tie together with a piece about being open. It, you know, one of the things I just want to mention on that topic before we talk about the networks is this whole perspective of having a growth mindset. So, uh, wonderful uh, researcher Carol Dweck, who's written on this topic extensively, and I it has application at every point in your life. I see application for it for college students. They, mm-hmm. Everybody comes to college out of a high school and they're all in the top 10% of their class. But when they, when the, all of the top 10s come back together, you're no longer in the top 10. And then students get discouraged. And the first thing right. they do is they say, I want to drop out because they, they're not – they they haven't had a lot of experience with being resilient. And I think that's one of the most important things that, that everyone needs to think about is how can I be resilient? Things are not always going to go how I planned. We both talked about how we're not in the careers that we started out in. We're doing different right, things today right. than we did before. So, you know, I oh, think one God. of the things, <laughs> yeah, it is. Thank, thank, yes, it's good. You know, it's kept me really fresh and yeah, students keep me really young too. I have to tell you that, Chicky. <laughs> it's true too. Well, I, I have I'm almost sixty, and I have a a sophomore in high school and a freshman in college. So I can tell you, they keep me young. <laughs> yeah. So I think what's what is important about your network is that your network will serve you across your career. So you know, it if you've got a good network, it will find a way to stretch you. And one of the things that we really discovered, and this has been, it's fascinating because, you know, we've got, a, we've got a lot of different research and theories in our book, and I think there are a lot of great takeaways. But one of the best takeaways we've had is about five to thrive. It's this whole idea of having at least five people in your network that you keep in touch with on a regular basis. Now, I know, mm-hmm. Chickie, you're going to say that's really easy and it's really simple, and, and but just take one second and think about this a little bit more deeply. You know, who are those five people? There's a lot of research out there that says we're the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. So if you've right. got five kids and a dog, you know, what's that make you the sum of? <laughs> so <laughs> you could end up, you know, being, you know, I, I one of our adult students here said that she, you know, she's learned how to talk differently and she finds herself in the target correcting people. <laughs> so, you know, I, I right. think it's really important that the five people in your network be people who really make you think 
more broadly, who stretch your thinking, who are perhaps uh, at the level you want to go to next, and that you don't forget to stay in touch with those people every single month. Mm-hmm. I even, I do this myself. I mean, I have five people that I that I that every time I get together with them, they make me think of something new. They char, you know, make things charge together right, in my right. mind. I sat down with one a guy who who's been in my mentor network for a long time two weeks ago, and I realized that it had been six months since I'd sat down with him. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I feel a little guilty telling you this story. <laughs> Because we're advocating that you, you know, you keep in touch with these people regularly. But time right. goes by so quickly today that we forget that. And well, when you – go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, please finish. No, I was going to say, and when you go to look for a job, it's those people in your network. It's not your family, but it's really the people right. in your broader network that can help you make the best connections. Well, and I was going to bring up, um, you know, there are some of us who our networks are, are really far flung. I mean, I, I have, I really have, you talk about how people have like two, two networks typically. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, have, I have three, and they're the people I know from industry, right, from my industry, which I've spent, you know, the better part of my adult life in. And, you know, people I've worked for, people I've consulted for, et cetera. Then I've got this network, uh, and I don't have a very large local network because my business has always taken me away from where I live. Um, So my local network is sometimes my neighborhood, although we just moved and I don't really know my neighbors. Um, You know, so it's my my church uh, world, which uh, I've got a couple of organizations that I participate in that, you know, I know people from a broad broad number of churches, but still we're, we're all interconnected. And then I've got this kind of new network. Well, it's not new because I've been doing the radio show for eight years, but I've got amazing business authors that every Friday for the last eight years I've been interviewing. So I've got, uh, that is the most diverse network that I have. But I remember back to a time when I lived in Dallas, Texas, I was working for American Airlines and I started having parties, dinner parties, where I would invite a third of the people from people that I work with, a third of the people from the neighborhood and a third of the people from my, you know, my church world who none of them knew each other, but they all knew me. And I had a, a little game that I would play where I would give everybody a piece of paper that had, uh, you know, so let's say that there were 12 people at the party. There would be 12 things listed, 12 facts that I knew about everybody who was there, but they had to find the person that matched that fact. So one might be that, you know, their father was born in Brazil, and the second might be that they used to work in academia, right? And it is so much fun to do. And and that's easy to do when you've got a dinner party with people in your house. But um, we used to have this call used to be centered around something called the Executive Girlfriends Group, uh, which uh, you know it's still in existence, but it's not active anymore. But we used to have people who called into this call every Friday, so the author would talk, and then everybody could ask questions, and then the author would leave the call, and then we'd all talk around the table about you know what was the best thing that happened in our life this week, and and you know what might have been a little bit challenging, and. And they didn't all, you know, work together or know each other really well. And and so I think finding ways to actually formalize that so that they, 
that they're actually interacting with each other and that it's not yeah. just that you're talking to, you know, one person from each part of your, your network. But I think that's where how the brilliant real power is. of you. How brilliant of you. I mean, it makes me think about, <laughs> well, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, bridging for breath in your network, and that's really what right. you were doing. You're bridging different yeah. people together. Yeah. And that can be so powerful for everybody else. But the, the reason why having that kind of diverse network makes such a difference is mm-hmm. that diverse networks really can help you see the future. You know, they can help you sell your ideas because you're not you're you're telling somebody that doesn't know your industry that's different than your right. industry. And you can uh you know, if, if you're a, an entrepreneur, often it's those diverse networks that can help you get the resources that you need or the uh, investments absolutely. that you that you well, want to connect to. In chapter 5 of your book, I love the title, which is Be Greedy About Experiences. And I think really I have just been really greedy about the experiences in my life because my husband keeps saying, now, why do you do this radio show again? Because it's never been a source of, of revenue generation for me. And, of course, he cares about that, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not giving this radio show up because I love it so much because I get to tap in to the experiences of these amazing authors and quite often the people that they've interviewed for their book, right? And no, I, I bet it stretches like you. I bet this that's oh, why you do amazing. this. You're you've got this it's charging some uh, intellectual ideas for you. So it's oh, you know and that's what we t- you know, this whole idea about greedy, I want you to know that that was the most controversial title in the whole book because the whole idea of using the word greedy, I mean, we went back and forth with our editor and others, that it has sort of a negative connotation, the idea it's of being greedy. It's provocative, though. That's As what a kid, I love. they always told you, don't be greedy, right? <laughs> you know, so. Right, right. But when you're looking at your career and what we know today mm-hmm. is that people will have like 11 different jobs across their career. So if you look at that, it's really important that you be greedy about getting right. a range of different experiences because you never know if you're going to be a radio show host or a college <laughs> president right. or, or an entrepreneur yeah. or a member of the or gig economy. Of <laughs> um, I, I, in the few minutes that we have left, and, yeah. and you know, I, I don't want to disrespect the last two chapters uh, of the book, and, and I'm just going to distill them down from my observations, if, if you don't mind, and then I'd like for you to just comment on that, and I do know that you, you have to run soon. But the last two chapters are about having dreams and, and really keeping your vision looking forward and, and, and not looking back. I mean, certainly learning from where we came from, but then really using all of this to help you chart your path forward because stretching does you no good if you stay in place, right? So whether you're moving up or across to another job within your current organization or you're jumping industries as many have done, um, you know, or just figuring out that maybe you've got a book inside you and you want to write a book. You know, I mean, there's so many different things. So I'd like for you just to give us kind of a parting comment, um, you know, encapsulating that. And then, uh, yeah, I'd love for you to just share with folks how they can um, get in touch with you or Carrie if they're interested about the research you've done or, you know, if they would like, you know, someone to come and speak on this at, at, at their company. Uh, so I will be quiet and let you finish so that we can wrap up. Oh, this has been such a great conversation. I thank you so much. Uh, you know, I think what we really saw is that 
Um, it's not about bouncing back from adversity, but it's really about bouncing forward. It is that mm-hmm. kind of forward view that really seems to differentiate people who keep themselves current in the workplace. So it's our recipe for bouncing forward is sort of grit, resilience, and motivation. And that, mm. you know, if you can hold on to those three things, sort of an ability to persevere and um, be adaptable and recover when there are difficulties or setbacks in your organization. I mean, sometimes you don't control these things. They're totally outside of your control. So it is about sort of holding on to that motivation to to just do it. And I think the best thing that um, I can say is is to stay curious. You know, just right. uh, you know, just like you're listening in today about this or you know, your ability to to talk to a number of different authors every month. It's just staying curious about what the possibilities are. That seems to make a really big difference. And as much as technology is um, is changing the workplace for the future, one of the things that we really discovered that won't change is is what we were just talking about, relationships and relationships with other people. And so, you know, pursuing relationships and, and being good at those things um, that's the piece that automation hasn't figured out yet. And right. that's the place where we all can really add value in the workplace. Got it. So, Barbara, can you share uh, the best way for people yes. to follow you or or to learn more about – I mean, obviously they can buy the book, which, by the way, if uh, you didn't write it down earlier, the name of the book is Stretch, How to Future-Proof Yourself for Tomorrow's Workplace uh, by author Barbara Mystic. So, Barbara, how can they follow you? Sure, and certainly the book's available on Amazon. It was actually an Amazon best pick, so we're really proud of that. Nice. Um, you can certainly follow, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, uh, Barbara Mystic at Barbara Mystic. Uh, we also have a website for the book, which is called the Stretch the Book, and um, the first chapter of the book is available on the website. So if you're curious and and this has piqued your interest, you can go to the website, www.stretchthebook, and the first chapter is downloadable there. You can leave us a message there um, or uh, or over Twitter. Those are both great ways to get a hold of both of us. Wonderful. And uh, if you are listening today, uh, you can also always remember the GameChanger.network. We also have a link uh, to buy the book on Amazon uh, right on our page for the show and a link uh, to Barbara's website. So if, if you're driving or, you know, working out and, you know, listening to us uh, in a place where you don't have a pen, then uh, just go to thegamechanger.network and uh, you will find all the information. Well, Barbara, thank you so, so much. And uh, you will be hearing from me because I've got, I've got some questions uh, for you about the, the university world. And I still need to, uh, to dig into the book. You've got a lot of really, really practical things in the book uh, in addition to the research. Oh, uh, you know what? Well, we didn't mention that. There are, the book is full of what we call stretch breaks. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are, you know, almost 40 of them. There are lots of different options just to sort of energize you at that moment when you need to step back and a little refresh. So, yeah, that would be perfect. I'd love to stay in touch with you. And don't well, be afraid back, of the Pennsylvania in, weather. Uh, exactly. Well, I'll be back here next week. So uh, you may just hear from me. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, have a super weekend, and uh, I'll be in touch soon. It was great fun to talk to you today. Thank you. Okay. Terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks. 
You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Thank you.